0: Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. Today is Tuesday, October 16th. I am Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist. And with me today are Jeremy Hawkins in London and Mark Pender in the US. Jeremy, a critical week for geopolitics in Euroland and in the UK.
1: Indeed, there's kind of a a lot going on in Europe at the moment, but not necessarily a lot happening. Um, By which I mean there's a number of key issues facing European financial markets, but really the shape of the final outcomes may well take a while to actually resolve. So anyway, it ought to be a big week for Brexit. Um, Indeed, just a a few days ago, it seemed as if both sides were talking up significantly the chances of a deal being made uh, by the end of the EU leaders summit, which kicks off over a dinner. Um, on Wednesday in Brussels. That's going to continue on through Thursday and possibly even into Friday um, if they're having problems agreeing anything. But as I mentioned, say so both sides were talking up the prospect of some kind of trade deal coming out of that. Or at the very least, there being enough progress that we could see, uh, if you like, an additional meeting being introduced in November that's not currently scheduled, which would just help to rubber stamp the thing. However, over the course of the last few days, it seems like we're almost going back to square one, particularly with regard- regard to this so-called Irish border question that really in a nutshell just comes down to the fact that at the moment of course the UK is part of the European Union. Uh, Southern Ireland which is independent of the UK is also part of the um, European Union. So free trade between the two parties via Northern Ireland uh, which is part of the UK is not an issue because once Brexit happens then Northern Ireland which is going to stay as part of the UK in theory should have a border with Southern Ireland which nobody wants. And how you actually reconcile this without allowing effectively the entire UK to be part or remain part of a customs union is still anyone's guess. Um, so it's, we're going to be going into this meeting now. So it kicks off uh, tomorrow evening, with both sides apparently having downgraded significantly their own expectations about what's going to come out of it. And in the meantime, we already had back back home in the UK within Parliament, uh, the Brexiteers of the Conservative parties are holding midnight meetings about not being happy should Theresa May actually go and s- agree to some. Some kind of customs union arrangement uh, with the EU, but part of which they don't have been in the first place. So um, the bottom line is that really we haven't a clue what's going to come out of this thing. Um, it may be that it'll come out of the suitable fudge which will allow them to get some sort of agreement uh, which will allow Brexit to take place as scheduled at the end of March. But it's quite possible, given the chasm that appears to have been a, yeah, a rise between the two sides again, that uh, we may have to see some delay in the Brexit timetable itself. But it really is a case so watch this space. But I've got to, it's got to be said that the optimism which started at the beginning of this week has now evaporated. Um, Same time of course we've got uh, the the problem with Italy going on the draft budget which if enacted will will bust all the EU Commission's fiscal guidelines as approved by the Italian Cabinet on Monday and duly sent to um, the EU Commission to look at actually a few hours ahead of the EU's own deadline last night Now the initial reaction of the EU has not been at all favourable and it looks like it where it's going to be sent back to Rome with a must try harder sticker attached to it Um, and it's going to be interesting to see who's going to win this side. Essentially, um, Italy's maintainer. It. it wants to spend what it wants to and reduce taxes it wants to. Either it means breaking EU fiscal rules to get growth going again. The EU Commission is saying, well, look, we had an agreement last year which you need to abide to, plus we've got EU fiscal rules anyway, so you are got to start reducing your budget deficit. Now, what happens, much like the UK Brexit issue at the moment, we simply don't know. But if it gets to a case of what they call serious non-compliance, then Brussels will have, what, one week to consult with Rome and try to win changes or clarifications from the initial submission um, and it will then have to come out with opinion as to whether or not the budget will pass will be acceptable to the EU Commission or not. If it isn't and it goes a whole hog and Italy continues to do their own thing then ultimately we could see the EU attempting to introduce financial sanctions of up to 0.2% of Italian national economic output. Now whether that's going to happen or not we'll just have to wait and see but in the meantime of course although we have seen a bit of a rally in the Italian bond market today. Italian yields are well above where they were just a few weeks ago, which in itself is just adding to the debt cost facing the Italian government. Um, We're waiting to see how some of the big um, ratings agencies, S&P and Moody's, uh, will respond to the budget later on this month. And if they certainly reduce ratings, we can see those yields go even higher. So it's a right raw mess there at the moment. And just to sort of rub, I suppose, salt into the political wounds at the moment we have facing the eurozone in Bavaria on Sunday, uh, we had important state elections. Um, and that saw the Christian Social Union which is the sister party to Angela Merkel's Christian Democrats really taking a right royal hammering in the polls Uh, now the CSU have been running uh, Bavaria for what basically undisturbed since the second world war they saw a massive decline in their share and although they're still individually the largest member of the the regional parliament they no longer have an absolute majority we saw a big improvement coming through both the Greens and also in particular the right wing as well. Now going into the end of this month we'll have the the state election in Hesse. That's run by Angela Merkel's or held I should say by Angela Merkel's Merkel's own own party. If we were to see a poor result for her there then the chances are we're going to see real pressure for her to step down. Of course Angela Merkel is at the forefront of everything that happens, excuse me, happens in the Eurozone. So if we were to see her depart, then it's going to raise a massive question mark of what's going to happen to Eurozone politics going forward. So I won't talk about the numbers at the moment because they're not really too important. But there's an awful lot of politicking going on in Europe at the moment, and it's changing almost minute by minute. Jeremy, I have a, I have yeah. a question. This is Mark. Uh,
2: uh, is in the net movement in the Bavarian election left to right. You're talking about gains uh, for the right, but also gains for the greens. Uh, What was the the net movement there?
1: Well, it's interesting. In fact, I suppose it it really reflects this sort of polarization we've got now across big chunks of Europe. So if you look at um, the the, the actual CSU itself, um, it lost 10 percentage points down to 37%. Um, if you look at the, the other main parties, the alternative for Germany, which is the far right, uh, they won 11%. That was up, I think, about double what they had last time. And that's enough to actually get them into uh, the state parliament for the first time. The Greens, they doubled their share uh, just under 18%. So there has been a you know, significant swing, but it seems that you know, the centre grouping are losing votes both to, to both the left wing and the right wing. So, it's again, it's another reflection of the fact that the population are becoming increasingly disen- disenchanted with um, you know, the establishment parties.
2: But there hasn't been an, a net movement to the right.
1: Um, well, only to the extent that the, the extreme right – I mean uh-huh. Merkel's party is kind of, if you like, center-right. Um, and you can see that, if you like, as being the CSU. So they've certainly lost out. Some of that has gone to the far right, but some of it's gone to the green. And obviously the green isn't a far right party by any means, but, you know, some of their policies are completely different in terms of, you know, the major policy lines that the others will show.
2: Talk for a minute about bonds. Uh, 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 have they been affected here? And um, are they the global uh, uh, flight to safety uh, vehicle? How would you compare them to U.S. treasuries?
1: Yeah, so as far as Europe's concerned, if if there's problems and uncertainty, then you automatically get a flight into the most liquid market, which will be German bunds. Um, Now, bund yields have been dragged up over the course of the last several weeks, but that's had much more really to do with what's been happening stateside. Whenever we see US yields going up, the natural response in Europe is that we tend to be dragged along on the coattails. But what we have seen, though, is that the movement in bund yields has been much less marked than it has been in, if you like, the so-called more peripheral Eurozone countries. So obviously, I mean, Italian yields are up over, what, 50 basis points over the course of the last few weeks. Uh, bunds are only up a little bit. We've seen Spain hit and Greece hit as well. So yes, Bunds are still very much regarded as you know, the safe haven vehicle. But you now within that, they're still going to react to what's happening internationally.
2: So if Merkel loses in, in Hesse, would demand for Bunds actually go up?
1: Uh, well, that's a very good question. In some ways, I think you may well see a move out of the eurozone, and although well, it might seem odd, into an alternative safe haven vehicle, which could even be gilts, depending on what's happening you with know, all, all these Brexit negotiations. Otherwise, what you could see is a straightforward move out of Europe, going into the US, or perhaps going into you know, a Japanese JGBs. Um, but in hmm. either event, it's it's going to be bad news as far as the euro currency itself is concerned.
0: Thanks, Jeremy. A lot to think about. Mark, uh, yeah. we have a whole new set of data yeah. this week. And the big question is, will anything change a person's mind about mm. the direction of the U.S. economy?
2: The direction is definitely uh, going up. Um, the critical thing, I think, for the U.S. is the, um, uh, the labor market and the lack of available quality labor, as Jerome Powell um, uh, states it. But we had the JOLTS report uh, this morning where we have job openings, and they just surged to uh, 7.136 uh, million, which is so far beyond expectations. And this compares with uh, less than 6 million people actively looking for work. This gap never appeared before in, in 20 years of available data from the Labor Department, and now it's widening and widening. And uh, the risk here is that uh, even though the you know it's a mystery as Jerome Powell says why wage inflation hasn't uh, kicked in yet, um, the risk that the uh, the laws of supply and demand, uh, low supply of labor, falling supply of labor, rising demand for labor will eventually uh, kick in uh, is really the the essence uh, on why the Federal Reserve is in its rate hike regime. I don't think that they can afford to uh, overlook this Um, and uh, but apart from that there was just been a ton of data I think I want to point out people's uh, attention to the treasury budget which uh, came out yesterday and it was a a massive um, federal deficit of 779 billion dollars in the fiscal year uh, going to uh, September and that's up 17% from 2017. And if you look at the charts, this is just dripping red ink uh, descending uh, over the last couple of years and picking up speed. And um, as far as uh, voodoo economics and dynamic scoring goes, you do see a an increase in individual tax uh, receipts. Um, a small increase, and that's due to the, to the employment, uh, the rising number of, of uh, people uh, entering the jobs market and paying individual taxes. Um, yet you see a very sharp decrease in corporate uh, taxes their establishments aren't created so quickly um, so we haven't seen the uh, the great uh, benefit we have seen but a little bit a, a, a slight li- a hint of it perhaps in, in the greater number of employment but it, it's not making a dent at all into total spending which is over t- four trillion dollars now and it's uh, it's led by increases in Medicare. And it's also led by increases in defense and also net interest, which reflects uh, the growing um, uh, uh, finance costs to cover the, the government's deficit. So when you think about the stock market and think about how strong the economy is, you have to realize that this is, uh, you know, uh, countercyclical. Keynesian uh, fundamentals being applied at a, at a time of, uh, of, of uh, economic uh, strength. And we did see economic strength in uh, today's industrial production numbers, not a lot. Uh, and of all the factory numbers, uh, uh, this one is the least um, uh, uh, showing the least amount of strength, whereas factory orders and factory shipments are about double digit annual growth. This isn't a mid single-digit growth, but it's still very, very solid. And you're seeing a a nice uptick right now for business equipment. And this is part of the corporate tax cut, uh, businesses um, investing in in new equipment for future production. And uh, and you're seeing an uptick there. You're also seeing an uptick in vehicle sales uh, and vehicle um, production and also high-tech production. Now, the vehicle uh, production gets us to retail sales that came out uh, yesterday. this This was one of those head fakes where the uh, headlines were very subdued, actually flat, if you, uh, the, the key uh, headlines, which is overall up one-tenth, and excluding autos, uh, which is down one-tenth. But if you look at what goes uh, direct inputs into personal consumption expenditures, you'll see that it's a very strong gain. This excludes uh, restaurants, cars, gasoline, um, and building materials. And uh, this posted a f- uh, 0.5% increase. Um, and uh, so this uh, shows that consumer spending is alive and well um, and, uh, in the third quarter. And we also had a big jump uh, in business inventories uh, in, um, in August. So inventories have been going up. They were drawn down. Uh, during the second quarter, as businesses scrambled to try to keep up with uh, demand, and sales uh, in, in this um, series are still about twice as uh, they're, they're about uh, uh, high single digits, and growth in inventories is about the mid single digits. So there's still a lot of in, uh, quality inventory, wanted inventory that has to be built, and this will show up as a big plus in uh, third quarter GDP. If we remember second quarter GDP, which was very strong at 4.2. Percent was actually held down by the fall in inventory. So uh, the third quarter is looking up pretty well right now. And if it wasn't really for the housing market, that's the one. That's the one element that really isn't showing much life. We're going to get housing starts and building permits tomorrow. They may, they may be skewed. Housing starts may be skewed by um, Hurricane Florence, uh, which uh, hit the Carolinas and may have. Uh, and that that's enough probably to uh, to pull that down. That's what the expectations are. But permits shouldn't be too much affected and they haven't been really doing that well but they should be uh, showing an uptick but the real weak part of the economy here is or the least strong part of the economy, actually this is a weak part of the economy because it's it's moving lower, is resales, existing home sales. And there is not much of a rebound at all that's expected on Friday. So that's really the only, it's a puzzling missing piece on really low demand for housing. Uh, Maybe, uh, you know, there's lots of theories. Uh, Maybe the younger generations don't uh, remember their parents being burned uh, in the subprime collapse and don't have the same kind of uh, urgency to uh, move uh, their family into a home. Who knows? But in any case, um, otherwise the economy is looking really, really strong. And uh, the conflict between the Fed and the president—you uh, know, one the, the administration, Trump, wanting uh, aggressive growth, and the Federal Reserve wanting to restrain growth to to make sure capacity isn't too far stretched—is going to be the really one of the the centerpiece of the uh, economic debate of the 2018 economy. And, um, uh, you know, it's a very interesting um, uh, uh, debate.
0: Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Jeremy. Until next week.